take over doubt, we gon' make it Show the world that I shine in our greatness Keep it real, never gon' fake this Till we make it, till we make it Taking off, flying high like a spaceship Take control, take a shot Alright, welcome back everybody This is Danny from Shake the Earth Podcast This is episode 16 We are uh, super excited to have our guest on today He's actually joining us remotely from You're in Georgia, right? Atlanta, Georgia, yeah Atlanta, Georgia, ATL True Taylor, True, you got a fascinating story and I appreciate you joining us on the Shake the Earth podcast. As you know, and as our listeners know, we talk to what I call average people doing extraordinary things and shaking the earth around them. So Truett, tell us a little bit about yourself. You grew up in Georgia, right? I did. I was born and raised in Griffin, Georgia, which is a small town about an hour south of Atlanta, Georgia, and two great parents and life was interesting we i would say if you can't tell from my accent a little bit definitely a a country type town we're just very small town people didn't really escape too much but i was fortunate i would say to be the one of the ones who who decided to go to school outside of town and uh definitely try to make something of myself for sure do, do they really have peaches in georgia like that that's one thing i always i always ask of course, the peaches and peanuts. That's, that's us. Peaches and peanuts. <laughs> that's awesome. So you grew up in a small town. Did you always kind of have this love for woodworking? I, I, I want to get into that a little bit because it's the kind of where you're at now. But have you always had this love for woodworking? So my father was an electrician. So instead of spending my Saturday mornings watching cartoons, which makes me sound really old saying that, <laughs> you know, as we were growing up, that's kind of what you did. You you watch television or whatever on Saturday mornings. I was always in someone else's home working. So there's a little bit of a, I would say a more strict childhood with that purpose. I didn't really get into woodworking until, man, I would say when I bought my first home here in Atlanta. And when I bought my home, I was so excited to have a home and in a great area. And then I realized that I had to furnish my home and I wasn't really (laughs) financially ready for that. So I, uh, I always had a, I was always, I would say pretty decent with my hands. And so I started experimenting and making my own furniture and worked out pretty well. And I just kind of got creative with some things. And then I started making things for other friends. And it was all more of like a hobby, I would say, until last year, I uh, decided after 10 years in corporate America to leave and start my own business, which has been wild, fun, exciting, scary, and all the other emotions you can possibly think of being an entrepreneur. But um, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing ride. And it's definitely being an entrepreneur is one of those things that you really need to think about before you do, because if you're not ready enough to commit your entire self to that, it's definitely one of those things that it's probably gonna be pretty difficult. But my wife and I, we had talked about it. We just got married in January and I decided to quit my job five months later and I had a really good job. And she was kind of like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, you know, I just, I'm not feeling it anymore. Like I've, I've feel like I've been, I haven't been challenged in the past couple of years and I really want to go out and do my own thing. And she was super supportive, which I feel like you have to have as well. Uh, she didn't, she didn't feel that. Uh, she didn't feel that bait and switch. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Oh, we're going <laughs> to live this kind of lifestyle. Wait a minute. You're going to do this. Um, you know, she's, she's honestly, I think and every entrepreneur has this in the beginning where you're laying in bed and you're thinking, you know what, I'm just going to go back and get another job. I can go get another good job and yeah. I won't have to do all this stuff. But, uh, she's talking me off the ledge in the early days and I got me back on track and it's been going really well so far. On, on top of that, you're, you're also a cancer survivor. I am. Unfortunately. So, yeah. It was one of those crazy situations. I 
I've always been active and um, stayed in good shape and everything. And then I used to participate in a lot of amateur kickboxing matches and stuff back in the day. And I would say it was back in 2010, I really got into it probably a little more than I uh, I did before. I just, I enjoyed the competition. I feel like there's no better competition than you one-on-one with somebody and just kind of seeing what happens. In 2012, I got diagnosed with stage three colon cancer out of, I've never even had a cavity before. And then all of a sudden, boom, stage three cancer. And it was a, it was a huge blow to everything that I had planned for my life at that time, which is having some abdominal pains. And I went to the doctor and he, he's like, oh, worst case scenario, you got Crohn's disease. And I was freaking out because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a disease. Like that's, that's wild. And then it was a lot worse than what he thought. And as soon as I woke up from the colonoscopy, he's like, I'm sorry, but today's not going to be a good day for you. Unfortunately, you have cancer. I could even get the scope past the tumor in your colon. And I'm, oh, man. yeah, so it's, it's wild to hear that, especially at 31 years old. And uh, to think again, you've never been, I was sitting there and they were like, what everyone was almost looking at me like, what are you doing here? I just, I was like, I'm getting a colonoscopy or whatever. And cause you don't usually get that until you're 50 years old, but thank God I did. So I went through surgery where they removed a foot of my colon. I had uh, chemo and radiation that ended in 2013, in January of 2013. And here I am a little over six and a half years later and still cancer free. So I'm excited about that. Are you, okay, so I've got so many questions about this because we had one of our guests on was also a cancer survivor and it just completely realigned her whole mentality and vision and outlook on, on life. I'm assuming that you, at some point you have that kind of sobering realization that am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I living life the, to the max? And if not, you're obviously willing to make some changes because you've made some significant changes to your personal career and your family career. Tell me about that. Like, how did that kind of wake you up? So coming from a small town into a big city, I felt like I always had something to prove. So I was the first person in my family to graduate with a bachelor's degree. So I, I graduated college. I moved to the big city, if you want to call it that. And I immediately started working. And my number one goal was to get promoted, make as much money as possible and you know, be the typical successful person. So I could say I actually did something with my life coming from a smaller town with you know, a lot, I had a, like, it was just weird because I think coming from a small town, sometimes you don't have a lot to prove, but I felt like I had a huge um, obligation and responsibility to really make something of my life. So that's what always drove me. And it was all about me. I would say I was fortunate enough to, to do well in my career and moved up and started accomplishing, you know, checking things off of my professional bucket list. And then when the cancer diagnosis came in, it really made me take a step back and reevaluate my perception on life where it wasn't about me anymore. It was more about what I was here to do instead of selfish reasons, I would say. It was, it was more about what could I do for other people than myself. And it really dialed me into living a very intentional life. And everything from personal relationships to my friends, my family, even my occupation, I knew that from that moment on, you know, I got a glimpse of what it was like to, to potentially die. I had a 50-50 chance of dying. And at 31, you don't usually think that's going to happen. And it really makes you really reevaluate your life and your perspective if you, if you do it the right way. Some people get mad and angry and, yeah. you know, why me and all that stuff. But I took it as I got, an, I got another chance to really 
live an intentional life and make things different. And, and from that day, you know, all the misery that comes with being sick all the time and all those things, it really drives you to that lowest point where you almost emotionally start over. And from that point, you're able to build yourself back up and truly live an intentional life and, and make different choices that not only you know, impact yourself, but your, your greater vision is how can I impact others? So you, you take a backseat to your life in a way and learn to live your life with all the talents and blessings and things that you have already instilled in you for other people. Because I say this a lot, we're all in this thing together. And, you know, if I try to keep everything to myself, you know, what good am I to the world? So that's a common denominator I've seen with people that have had like life-threatening illnesses or diseases like that, do you wake up every day and say, you know what, today's another opportunity, like every single day and say, this is what I've got. This is what I can do. This is my purpose. Like, do you see that more clearly every day? Like our other guest said every single morning she wakes up and said, okay, I'm alive. I'm, I won. And that's how she wakes up her day, starts her day every day now. Yeah. I always felt like tomorrow starts today. And so as I lead into tomorrow, I'm big on preparation because preparation is always a huge part of the battle to me. You've probably heard the the phrase, you don't have to uh, get ready if you stay ready. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's the way I live my life. So today, whatever have I planned out, whether it's, you know, every, again, everything is somewhat planned in my life, whether it's planned intentional time with my wife or planned with my career or, or all those things like, I'm so grateful and I have so much gratitude that I, you know, I get to be a husband and I get to be an entrepreneur and I get to be a best friend and a son and, you know, all those things that the gratitude that it's just a continuous flow of gratitude every day that I feel like just comes through me. And I want to be able to meet that head on with preparation for everything I want to accomplish each day. So those two things together to me, like I'm very thankful. I'm very honored to be, alive and I feel more responsible to use all the gifts and all the things that I have again to to bring awareness to certain subjects or or different things personally that mean a lot to me or things that can really highlight other people's lives and bring us all together. That's awesome. I love that. I love that because it I, I think it it really lends well to the next conversation that you and I are going to have, which is your decision to be an entrepreneur and to do and and to follow a passion and something that you really love doing. And so I want to I want to talk about that decision that you made leaving a successful career in corporate America, having, you know, a security that a lot of people work super hard to have and then once you got it you're like, you know what? I'm not fulfilled. This isn't what I thought it was. Take a step back and now you own a tell the listeners what you the name of your company and and then what you do specifically on a day-to-day basis now. Yeah. So I, growing up, I thought, you know, if I can make a hundred thousand dollars one day, I will be rich and I won't have to worry about anything else. And then once you do it, you're, especially if you live in a bigger city, you're like, that's not that that's much, not that much money. <laughs> to, <laughs> to go on, but it's way more money than, you know, my parents made and all those things. But when you, you know, I guess as inflation goes and everything else, but like, I, I, that was like a goal in my life. Okay. Make, have a, have a six figure income and be able to, you know, live the kind of life you want to. And then once I got it, I was like, well, that's it. You know, that there's, that's, that's all that comes with this. And then having to do a career that I just, I don't want to say I fell out of love with. I think the industry that I was in, I was in education sales. I was a director of admissions for a couple of different colleges over 10 years. So we were in charge of recruiting and 
you're really driving revenue into schools with student population and all those things that I just felt like I had accomplished what everything that I was meant there to, I guess, taken to do. And I loved going into places and there were schools that were just a mess and getting them all worked out and getting them, you know, profitable and getting them going. But after a while, I distanced myself from that because there was no more, I guess, competition for me as well. But I had did it long enough to where I, I knew that I didn't want my boss's job. And, and I could, I've been offered opportunities to be president of colleges in the, in the private sector and, and stuff. So I just knew I didn't want to do that. And for the first time I was, I, would, I didn't want to climb that ladder anymore. I just didn't want the kind of lifestyle that they had. And I knew that that, that wasn't going to be for me. So that makes you really start searching your soul as far as what you, what you really want to do. And I know well, I used to, I know how to work hard and, and I feel like I knew enough about marketing and advertising to be able to start my own business, but it was a huge leap for me. So when I, I left the, the college in I would say June, I took a couple of months off to really kind of dig into what I wanted to do. And then in August, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start my own business. I just felt led to, to go in that direction. And I started building furniture full time and a lot of mistakes in the, in the beginning, I would say with that. And I own a custom furniture and built in company called Taylor design shop. So it started out of my garage and I just recently moved into a, a large space where the company's kind of expanded into a different realm and stuff as well too. But I took a risk because I felt led to do that. And I stuck it out through the tough times of just figuring things out and, and you know, going from a, a decent income to no income for a couple of months is a big, it could be a big strain on things as far as your marriage and your finances. That's pretty sobering. Well. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty sobering. Absolutely. I think you don't realize how much money you waste when you don't have any coming in. So, but the furniture company is really taken off. Every, I haven't, I haven't had any problem. My, my biggest fear was who's going to buy my stuff or who, am I going to have enough customers? And that has been the least worry that I had. Now it's more of like, how am I going to get all this done in the time frame that I say I'm going to get it done in? Is it you that's building it or do you have help that's helping you build it? And you're focusing on, obviously you, you know how to go out and acquire sales, right? I mean, that was your job, whether it's a student for a potential university or furniture, you, you know how to hustle and get that exposure. But how are you, how are you keeping up now? Do you, is it just you? So I had a guy actually found me on Instagram back in January of this year and 19 year old guy in college, we had a mutual friend and he talked to me. He's like, Hey, I want to, it's just true at hiring anyone. I'd love to come work with him and, and start learning some things. And so he started, he found me through Instagram and we started working together all the way until about two weeks ago. And he's, he drove about an hour each way to come work with me, but he just got a new job. So I'm, as I moved into my new shop, my part-time help left. So it was just me in a, in a space four times the size that, that I was in before right now. So it's a little bit of a transition day. I would say you caught me right in the middle of opening up a brand new shop with, with no help at the moment and stuff. But that's just part of being an entrepreneur. You, you learn to roll with it and it, every challenge just opens up a new opportunity for you. So how, what's your main channel of distribution? Is it online or local markets or how? It's local markets so far. So I started out making furniture pieces and as I got better, you know, you can sustain, you know, higher prices for different pieces and you, cause your work gets better and all those things, you're different, using different types of materials and stuff. So 
But then I got into where I was going into homes. So doing built-in projects, whether it was built-in cabinets or, you know, on the side of fireplace, fireplace mantles, things of that nature. And I really enjoyed having that interaction with a customer. I, I say me being in a shop all day, just cutting wood and building things is not super, it's not as fulfilling as me face-to-face with customers being in their home. So I really expanded into out of the furniture into the built-in section as well too. So now I do both and it really provides an opportunity for me to go in and take a blank room, which I've done several times and completely build out everything from the cabinets to the desk, to the end tables, to the coffee table and just take complete rooms and custom build everything in there. And that's what I say I enjoy the most is the transformation process and one good thing about furniture in, in sales and marketing, your job is never over. You can always make one more phone call. You can always do one more thing each day. But when you've completed a project and from, you know, from custom furniture, it's done. It's in the home. They're enjoying it. And you can actually walk away and feeling more accomplished. And that's something that I guess I was missing for, for a while. Cause it was, it was great until Q2 comes around then Q3, then Q4 as you're in, you know, sales and marketing. But in this industry, you know, I really get to sit back and be, proud of what I've done. And, you know, word of mouth travels quick, especially around here. The housing market's great. And as people keep building new homes, they they always need custom work. So. Yeah, man, I'm looking at some of your stuff, uh, some of your work online. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you basically just launched this then. Yeah. So that, that was, I would say I'm self-taught now just launched that full time in August of last year. Just over a full year. What does your wife think? <laughs> well, everything I build, she wants to keep. And I tell her it doesn't work like that. She's happy, man. She's excited for me. She's, she's a nurse practitioner school right now. She's a full-time nurse. And so she, we, we are both of our lives are just really running at full speed right now. And, but she's been real supportive with everything. And she's, she's happy that I moved into a new place and it takes that bond between us to really be able to comfort each other. And, you know, in a relationship, somebody's the the gardener and somebody's the flower, I would say. And so we just go through different points in our life where we, we switch roles with that. If, I, if I'm having a moment where it's raining, I can't pick up products, helps not there. All those things that just all of a sudden happen at once whenever you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur. And then she has moments where she's got a test, you know, has to work late. All these other things happen. We just, we switch roles and we really try to attack life together as a couple. Do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your life? I don't. And I, the, way, the reason I say that is because I've always said, I don't want to be 50 years old cutting wood every day. And the reason that is, is I, I, I think it kind of goes back to, you know, the more you do, the more you find out about yourself. Once I get this, you know, and I'm still, I would say, I have a goal before I'm 40. I'm so I'm 37 now. Before I'm 40, I want it to be at a certain level, income-wise and then production-wise as well too. So I'd love to be able to step back from the day-to-day building and then be more focused on funneling business through there. But I'd love to have it where it's a successful business where I have someone eventually manage it and I move on to the next thing. And um, you know, I've gotten into podcasting lately as well too as, as more of a side hustle to my regular hustle. and. Uh, Honestly, I feel like that's probably where most of my passion comes from is what we're doing right now, actually interviewing people. Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. It's the 1% podcast. What is the angle there? Because amongst all of the kind of entrepreneurship and, and the 
career changing. You decide to launch recently a, a podcast, which obviously we're on a podcast and we know how hard and how uh, much time it takes to, to run that. Tell us a little bit about that and where people can find it. Yeah. So it's called the 1% podcast because when I was sick, I remember I had, I didn't want to, but I had, I had to take a leave of absence from work. I just got so sick where I couldn't after chemo, then radiation, you get really tired and you're, you know, all the physical side effects you get from that, the nausea, vomiting and everything else that comes from that. And then I had another, you know, five rounds of chemo afterwards. So it's almost like you get cut from the surgery, you get poisoned with the chemo, you get burned with the radiation, and then you get poisoned again with more chemo. So just imagine all that going on inside of you and just made it where I was, I had a sales team of 70 people and I just couldn't do it efficiently enough to say I had to take like a, I took a two month, like short term disability leave of absence kind of thing. And at that point in time, I watched everything on Netflix and I never played video games. So I started playing video games, just something to buy my time. I was really getting cabin fever because I couldn't physically do a lot. I went from, you know, training and all this other stuff to, I couldn't even carry my groceries up the stairs. And so it just is really taking a lot of toll on me. And at that moment, I just, I guess you have like moments of clarity where I sat, I sat down one night and I still have it. I, I was drawing up all these things I wanted to do where it revolved around cancer patients, where I really wanted to be able to connect them with, you know, whether it's family members or other people and really be able to share their story. And this was before, I don't even know if podcasting was around then. This was you know, 2012, but I, I wrote it all down. I knew I wanted to to be able to share stories of cancer patients because lots of times when you're sick, the doctors, they always focus on your physical health. They want to give you these drugs to make you feel better, to make the cancer go away. And they really monitor that side, which is great, which is their job. But lots of times the emotional and mental side gets ignored a little bit. And I didn't want, I was thought I was all tough and didn't want to go to a support group, but I would get in front of my doctor and just bust out crying because I just was held it all in all week. And I was waiting for two weeks to see her and she was there to treat me medically, but she had to listen to, you know, me thinking I was going to die and everything else. But so I, I was kind of shelf that idea, but I knew I always want to get into it. So my new career choice now opened up some time for me to really explore, you know, what I wanted to do. So I created the 1% podcast. I got into podcast a couple of years ago. There's a guy named John Lee Dumas who has a, a podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire. And I absolutely loved it. It really inspired and motivated me every day. And it just so happens he was at a entrepreneurs conference earlier this year in Fort Lauderdale. And I, I knew he was going to be there. So I went there just to meet him and we had a conversation and he actually told me about his sister who had battled breast cancer. And I pitched him what I was going to do. And, you know, long story short, I ended up partnering with his podcasting program and he's been able to teach me a lot of the ins and outs of podcasting, but I finally decided I was going to launch the 1% podcast. And the reason I call it the 1% podcast is because I feel like during our moments of crisis that we have these 1% moments where we're at our absolute lowest. You know, if you think of your cell phone, when it gets on 1%, you start freaking out and trying to find a charger, right? So in our life, when we get to those low moments, we really start looking for someone or something to make us feel better. And I had moments where I had an insomnia and I stayed up all night long and I just was so miserable that I needed something to help me, but there was nothing that I could physically do myself to make, to, to feel better. And then you know, I kind of call them like winks from God in a way where something would happen or someone would come into my life at the lowest moment where I was at 1% and I just 
knew I was about to go, that would just give me, you know, that boost I need to keep pushing forward. And whether it was a phone call, a text, or just stumbling upon like a reminder, like I would, I found like a note that my mom had written me a while back and I just happened to come across it on a day where I just didn't feel like doing anything. And so those, that collection of moments that you have there, I think when you start looking for that, instead of looking for an excuse or looking for, I'm going to be miserable tomorrow type feeling, like I always feel like you, you really find what you're looking for. And so I shifted my brain from, you're going to be sick tomorrow. You're going to throw up. You're going to do all these other things to, you know, you might have all that going on, but, but be intentional and look for the great moments because as I keep looking for them, you start noticing, you know, well, this happened for a reason. My doctor just happened to be, you know, in town uh, and a part of this practice. And after my surgery, he was gone two weeks later and God was one of the best in the country. So there's things like that that you look for. And then you start filling your life full of moments where you're looking for something great to happen, or you're just looking at all these interesting details in life, your outlook completely changes and you definitely shift more towards the positive. So with the podcast, I want to be able to share those moments from cancer survivors as you go through the life cycle and the, of the cancer journey at what moment was your lowest. And then, you know, what, tell us about those 1% moments you have. So that way the listeners can, can be, on the lookout for those moments in their life and really try to focus on that instead of all the, the negative things that can come from having a cancer diagnosis. So it seems like your, your shift in your career is helping facilitate kind of this bigger vision and, and your bigger purpose of, of providing uh, kind of uplifting support to people who are, who've gone through what you personally have gone through and providing that emotional and that, that, uh, psychological support through, through the podcast. I know for me uh, doing this podcast has really opened my eyes to the str- the other struggles that people have, and it puts in perspective my struggles. And uh, it's incredible because there's a common denominator among all people. And it's that we are here on earth and we are struggling no matter who you are, no matter what point of life you're in there's a struggle that's constantly happening. There's a quote that I, that I enjoy from a story from a gentleman named Henry Eyring. He, he said, treat every person that there's a 50-50 chance that they're going through a struggle. And I think, wow, that if you look at people differently in their situations and say, chances are somebody's going through something, it allows you to, I think, live and live with your purpose much more apparent, like what you're doing with your podcast and where your passion truly is, uh, finding those people and, and kind of, you know, putting your arm around them in a sense and saying, look, you're not alone. I'm, I'm literally, as you're talking, I'm going through your Facebook page and seeing all these individuals who are fighting cancer and they're beating it, you know, and they're, and, and some of them are, may not feel like they're beating it, but they're, they're part of a community now. And I think that's, if it were me and I'm looking into what, what is true at Taylor doing, he's building a community of support for people. Absolutely. And that, that, that kind of goes back to something that I don't really talk about a ton. The, the whole fact of not being alone, you know, in, in today's society, it's really easy to have, have an Instagram life where you only show the great moments or you only talk about the great moments, but that's not real life. And I think we all, we all realize that, but no one really talks about it as much. And, my goal is to create a community and it is to show people that they're not alone. Back in 2008, I got a crazy phone call at work from my mom and um, 
my father had just gotten a, a terrible auto, uh, motorcycle accident a couple of days before, and he ended up being paralyzed like from the neck down. And just 20 days later, I got a call at work from my mother. And she said, you know, true. I don't know how to tell you this, but your, your brother just took his own life. And oh, wow. I can remember exactly what I'm wearing, you know, at that moment and stuff. But that to me, you know, the thought that someone was that alone and none of us knew it obviously. And because we would all I would have did something to, to make that outcome completely different, but you know, he didn't have enough community around him, I guess. I don't know, or, or whatever it is to really be able to rescue him. And the podcast can do that because no one knows you're listening to a podcast. You, you, you plug it in and you go. And I think that's one of those things where you can meet people where they are and somehow your message can find them at the exact moment that they, that they need it. And that's one thing I love about podcasting is you can, you can turn it on, you can go run, you can ride in a car, you can do whatever, but that message can reach you at any kind of moment. And so I want to be able to have a, a community, a, a very strong, positive message that people aren't alone. And then here are people that have actually went through what you're going through and you can lean on them. And then also with me, well, like I have, you know, instant access for people that you know, have wanted to reach out to, to maybe talk them through what's, what's going on with their, their journey as well too. And I've done that with several people where they just come on and, you know, I'll, I'll do anything. I've went, you know, I've traveled to meet people that needed certain situations handled for them and or just needed to talk. And again, we're we're not we're not in this life by ourselves. And it's very selfish of us to think, you know, what can I do for myself today? But when you really put yourself out there and use all the things that you've been given to help other people, that's truly living your life's purpose. Whether it's working in corporate America or having your own business or or, or whatever it is, that you know, using what you have is that's what we're responsible for. Not, not really anything else. Well, true. You are a, you're a nurse shaker and that's why I want to have you on the, the podcast. Here's a question I always ask at the end of people. What would you tell that young woman, young man who is facing something that they think is just insurmountable? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's your brother, right? If, if you could have told your brother or you could tell this young woman who maybe her husband left her or somebody that's just going through something so unbearable, what would you tell them today? What would your be your message in, in a couple sentences? I'd say feelings change. You may be feeling your worst at this moment. You may feel like you cannot do this. You may feel like you want to give up. You may feel like this isn't fair. Why did this happen to me? But feelings change. And, you know, it really takes a village to come around you whenever you're at your, at your lowest. So my advice would be, you know, if you don't feel like, and honestly, like you don't, sometimes you don't feel like asking for help. I, I know I haven't before. And I think that's just life, but being able to, to see what you really need and reach out to someone in some capacity and just let them know, Hey, I, I need someone to listen to me today, or I need, I need a helping hand today because a lot of people don't ask for things because they feel like they're not worthy of it. You know, if you're struggling with something and you think, oh, that's not important to anyone else, you, you don't feel like you, you're worthy enough to ask for help. But my advice would be everyone is worthy of life and everyone is worthy of help. And there's so many people out there that are willing to sacrifice time or money or whatever it is to help get you on the right track. 
And so I ask, you know, people that are listening right now, if you're having a, a moment like that, you know, obviously you can reach out to me, but reach out to someone and just let them know because you are worthy of being helped. I love that. Um, where could people find you? So if you want some awesome furniture, you can go to tailoreddesignshop.com. We're actually about to expand into a more of a national market. That's my next step. Once I finish putting together some of these tools that I have over here, by the end of this week, I'll be expanding nationally where we'll be, I'll, have, I'll do one-on-one consultations through Skype or Zoom with people in their homes and we'll pick out some pieces and we'll custom build them and be able to send it out to them. So if you're looking for some great furniture, handmade from the out, definitely. By the way, I need a charcuterie board, so we need to talk after. Perfect. <laughs> and um, so you can find me there. And if you know of someone who has a great cancer story or wants to share their story, you can check out 1percentpodcast.com. That's my website. It's got my story. It's got all the links to all the podcasts that I've done so far on there as well. And um, I'd love to have people be on as I guess as well too. Or if you have some questions, email them at info at tailoreddesignshop.com for the furniture or info at 1percentpodcast.com for the cancer podcast. Truett, you're a stud. Thank you so much. You're an earth shaker. I want to have you back on the podcast maybe in a month or two once things settle down with your, your shop and maybe do a follow-up and uh, talk, talk business, maybe business strategy, um, and just kind of continue on with your, with your story. I think it's impressive what you're doing. You have a clear vision, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Danny, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, everybody. This was uh, this week's episode with Truett Taylor. He's a cancer survivor, entrepreneur, and he's an earth shaker. Go check out the, uh, the podcast. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play. Go out and shake the earth.